Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. We're broadcasting to you live today from the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus here in Edmond, Oklahoma. And as always, you can get any KPCG radio show live online at kpcg.fm, or you can access the archives right there, kpcg.fm. Is there life elsewhere in the universe? Human beings have sent out many missions to try to discover life on other planets. In fact, one of the biggest areas searched has been the planet of Mars. This has really captured human imagination. Plenty of movies and books have been produced about perhaps finding extraterrestrial life on Mars. Did you know there actually is life out there? There's plenty of life on other planets. However, it's maybe not the kind of life <laughs> you think I'm talking about. Throughout the Bible, in places like Revelation 12, verse 12, Colossians 1, verse 16, you can find examples of God talking about the inhabitants of the heavens. God's armies in heaven. These are actually spirit beings. That's why human beings have not been able to discover them on these many missions into space. Humans are trying to find physical life out there, and they'll never be able to see the actual spiritual life that exists in the universe. It's invisible to human eyes. It cannot be detected by us, and yet it is certainly out there. Now, as much as we can learn by what the Bible actually specifically says, we can also learn a whole lot about what the Bible doesn't say. There are many, many verses. I just gave you a couple as an example that show that there are angels out there in the universe. However, you will not find even a single reference to physical life anywhere outside of Earth. We could really save these nations who are sending space, space missions out there a lot of time and money, but people just do not want to look to what the Bible says most of the time or what it doesn't say. But, but there is life out there, and it's life that God created through the Word, these two eternal pre-existing God beings. The Word used the power of the Holy Spirit to create everything God told him to create. Psalm 33 verse 9 says that all God had to do was speak, and it was created. Psalm 8 verse 3 talks about the heavens being the work of God's fingers. You can picture a potter crafting a pot out of clay, or in this case, 
crafting planets and stars out of the physical material that he also created. The very fact that there is a creation out there, both of millions and millions of angelic spirit beings, but also of a seemingly endless physical universe, demands that there has to also be a creator. If there's a creation, there also has to be a creator. Of course, plenty of scientists have said otherwise. They have actually looked at the universe and said that it all just came about randomly. Perhaps from a big bang. Maybe life came from the non-living. From the cracks of rocks, from crystallized minerals, from scum or slime in the water. Maybe that's where life came from. But it certainly takes a whole lot of faith to believe that. Why not have your faith placed in something better than that? There's a booklet, Creation versus Evolution, written by the late Philadelphia Church of God minister Wilbur Malone. And on page three, he wrote, If evolution is true, then you have to reject the Bible, the God who wrote it, and any religion founded upon it. But creation proves the Bible true. And if the Bible is true, then evolution is a lie. There has been a movement in recent times to try to make religion and science coexist. But obviously the problem there is that science today is largely godless, atheistic. How can the Bible match with that kind of science? It really is a matter of one or the other. It has to be creation or evolution. Creation versus evolution, as this booklet is called. This booklet was printed back in 2014 to go along with a Key of David television broadcast, so it's not available at thetrumpet.com, but I was able to get this made into a link on the website that I'll uh, produce for you in the show notes of this program once it is turned into a podcast so you can actually read it in that link really an excellent booklet though and in this booklet mr malone quotes pope john paul ii back in 1996 who did insist that faith and science can coexist he told scientists that darwin's theories are sound as long as they take into account creation was the work of god So creation and evolution, they can go together. It's totally fine to believe that. That's what he's saying. Even though Charles Darwin himself died unsure of his own theory. And in fact, he went insane (laughs) trying to figure that out. So he certainly is not a reliable source for the origin of the universe and it makes no sense that a supposed religious leader would try to reconcile the Bible with beliefs like that. 
creation has to come with a creator. All these brilliant angels out there. Now, of course, science can't see that, so they won't even believe that those angels exist. But they certainly can use powerful telescopes and see all of the beautiful creation out there. And they know that the universe operates by, by certain fundamental laws. They can look at the laws of the universe and, and rest assured that we are not about to crash into another galaxy out there. We are in no danger of being wiped out by a planet collision. Because there's nothing, <laughs> there's nothing random about the way the universe operates. How could these types of laws, this kind of reliability in the universe, come from nothing? That would be like saying that your car came from nothing. With all the different laws that make your car run, that can help you drive across the country if you needed to. And it just appeared out of thin air. Anyone would think you were insane if you said something like that. And yet the universe, which is billions and trillions and more stars and planets, is seen as really springing out of nothing. It's really not a consistent line of reasoning there. The other day I picked up a, an annotated reference Bible, and it has a section in there about the universe and I just wanted to read some of the facts here about the universe it says our solar system is about six billion miles across our galaxy called the Milky Way contains roughly 400 billion stars which are suns each with its family of planets it is estimated that there are 100 billion galaxies like the Milky Way this would make 40 sextillion stars or suns in space. If each sun is the center of a solar system, there are 40 sextillion solar systems and many more planets and satellites in space. Really just numbers beyond comprehension there about the universe. And then if you even start to try to figure out how long it would take for light to travel that far, it would take thousands and, and thousands of years and longer. That's how big the universe is. There's no way it all just happened. Again, the existence of a creation requires a creator. The existence of the laws of the universe requires there to be a lawgiver. And the fact that these laws are upheld and they are sustained... The fact that these laws never fail, <laughs> like gravity, we're moving through space. I believe it's at a rate of about 435 miles per second. Yet we're not flying off the planet because of that alarming rate of speed. 435 miles per second. Thankfully, there is the law of gravity that never fails. And because that law never fails... There has to be a sustainer, someone who sustains those laws and makes sure they don't fail. And you would think of all professions in the world, 
scientists would be the ones jumping for joy and just openly praising and glorifying God for the work of his fingers, for the glory of his creation. However, in so many cases, they do the exact opposite. Psalm 14, verse 1, King David said that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. Especially with all of that understanding that scientists have. They have to be wondering where it all came from. There has to be something more than just a random explosion of a tiny element of matter that they have no idea where it originated. Where did that first particle of matter even come from? I would really encourage you to click on the link in the show notes of this show to study this creation versus evolution booklet. We also have a booklet that is in the Trumpet Literature Library for free titled Our Awesome Universe Potential that covers a lot of this type of information too. Our incredible human, our, the Incredible Human Potential is another book available for free at thetrumpet.com. And this really does give us such a wonderful ex- understanding of life, of the universe around us. Did you know that life is a gift only given by God? Whether we're talking about physical life on this planet only, or if we're talking about spiritual life, like the armies of angels throughout the universe. Life only comes from God. John 5, verse 26. It's a gift. That's the way we should look at our lives. Especially when we try to figure out the vast size of the universe, which it does seem is actively expanding. There's probably no end to it at all. It just reminds us how small we really are. And yet, God still took a lot of time and expended a lot of effort to create we puny human beings. It is truly humbling to think about. Here in this booklet, Creation versus Evolution, Mr. Wilbur Malone quotes Newsweek from June of 1991. And this is just explaining some of the physical majesty of the universe. says here, If our retinas registered wavelengths shorter than the color of a deep violet pansy and longer than the red of a ruby, we would witness a firmament of such turbulence and incandescent splendor that it would make the 4th of July fireworks look like a backyard sparkler. We would see black holes slurp up their neighbors and jets of plasma stream across the sky with the energy of 100 million suns. We would see stars, so small they would fit comfortably in Lake Tahoe, spin an astounding 643 times per second. We would see neutron stars so dense that a teaspoonful of their tiny bodies would weigh 1 billion tons and clouds bigger than our solar system collapse like a poorly timed souffle. (laughs) It really is extraordinary. 
especially when we consider that the universe is 96% dark. So I'm pretty sure that means it's undetectable, even with all of our best technological advancements. The 4% we can actually see blows us away. Yet there's another 96% out there we haven't seen. And we can only try to imagine, as short as those imaginations would fall, what the rest of the universe is like. So it is really an encouraging subject, but also a bit sobering to realize how little most scientists grasp about the universe, despite all of their advantages, despite all of the discoveries they have made. And it really gets back to this simple principle, Psalm 111, verse 10. The fear of the eternal is the beginning of wisdom. A good understanding have all they that do his commandments, his praise endures forever. So wisdom only starts when we fear God. And of course, if we don't even believe in God at all, we probably don't have the proper fear of him either. (laughs) That's where it comes from. Wisdom comes from God. Common sense comes from God. This God who is so powerful that he can tell the number of the stars. And he has named Every one of them. You know, the many septillions of stars out there. He knows the exact amount. He has names for all of them. Psalm 147, verse 4. That's a God who is incomprehensibly smarter than we are, more capable than we are. That's the type of God we should be glorifying when we look at the universe. Mr. Malone points out that on a clear night, you can only see 2,000 stars from any point on Earth. If you were in all places on Earth at once, you'd see 8,000. But obviously that's not possible. So you can only see 2,000 stars at most at one time. As far as you can possibly look. Yet there are so many more out there. We are so, so minuscule when it comes to the universe around us. God actually uh, pretty humorously challenges us to prove the truth about the universe, about anything else, really. Uh, But I just thought this was hilarious when I was reading this this morning. It says, fear you not, neither be afraid. This is Isaiah 44, verse 8. Have not I told you from that time and have declared it? You are even my witnesses. Is there a God besides, beside me? Yes, there is no God. I know not any. <laughs> so God's saying, well, if there is another God out there, I haven't met him. I don't know who he is. I'm not really sure what he could do for you, but look what I'm offering. The whole universe is out there, and I'm offering that to you. As far as I know, (laughs) there's no other God. Just a funny way to put that. Of course there's no other God. God knows everything. He's everywhere at once. He knows there's no other God. But he does state that in a rather humorous way. 
challenging us to try to find any other God out there who tries, who can even come close to measuring up. So that brings us to the question, why the universe? We know it's gigantic. We know it's awe-inspiring. We know that God created the heavens and stretched them out. Isaiah 42, verse 5. He spread out the heavens, which is why there's so much space in between the planets and the stars and the different galaxies. I believe the nearest galaxy to the Milky Way, Andromeda, is, is still like thousands of light years away from us. So there's all this space even between us and the nearest galaxy. Mr. Malone writes, who can limit God? Who can say to God, that's as far as you can go. (laughs) There is no end to space. God is not limited by space. If there should be an end to this universe, God can just create another one if he so desires. That's if there is an end to this one, which it seems to be that there's not. And that this universe keeps on growing. But God could create another one. That's his power. That's his right. Space and time don't mean much to God because he is not confined by those in any way. It's almost like the way that our national governments treat money. Passing out trillions of dollars left and right. As if money means nothing. We're going to realize pretty soon that money does mean a little bit more than nothing and that recklessly throwing trillions of dollars at our problems is going to be an issue soon. But with God, he can throw space and time out there, do whatever he wants with them. Mr. Malone also writes, If only these astronomers could understand that God fully intends for mankind to be able to understand and study the universe. That God intends for mankind to someday be able to visit all of these far-off galaxies and superclusters. And that he intends us to further develop these galaxies. He wants us to develop godly character as human beings so we can be born into his family and then go out into this vast universe. When scientists find large clusters of galaxies moving in perfect order, controlled by immutable laws, they should realize that something so magnificent and so organized could not have just happened. There had to be one who designed, created, and sustains that great creation. You can look at Hebrews chapter 2, which shows that God is offering all things to Jesus Christ, all things, no qualifiers, no caveats. In the Moffat translation, all things is translated the universe. God offers the universe to Jesus Christ. And the reason that matters to you and me is because we are considered co-heirs with Christ. You can see that here. Romans 8, verse 17. 
And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. Christ suffered horribly at the end of his life. He was beaten for our physical sins, the reasons why we get sick or injured. He was crucified for our spiritual sins, the breaking of the Ten Commandments. But it says here, if we take pains like Christ did to obey God perfectly in this physical life, then we'll be glorified just like Christ was. He was resurrected. He obtained a spirit body once again. And he's just waiting for his chance to actually go out and take the universe. It's his for the taking, but he just is waiting for us before he goes and takes it. Before he goes and starts to work on it and beautify it once again. And fix the decay that this universe is in because of the rebellion of Satan and the demons. Which is obviously a totally different subject. Page 20 of the Creation versus Evolution booklet. Evolution teaches that when we die it's all over. But the Bible teaches that God has a plan for mankind and that it's connected to the vast universe. It's so important that we realize how rare this understanding is. I was looking through this study Bible that I bought this week, and these are scholars who study the Bible for a lifetime and still have no understanding of the revelation of the Bible. It's so rare to know that there's actually no physical life on other planets. I I stumbled across one reference in the Bible where this scholar believed that angels who fornicated with women became demons. And we have material for you that debunks that. But there are so many pitfalls to studying on our own, trying to find truth on our own. God has to reveal the purpose for the universe. We don't know why it's out there unless God explains it to us, unless God lets us know that it's there for us to inhabit and for us to beautify one day very soon. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.